Blockheads. Welcome back to the New Blocks. Today, we got a special treat for you. We've been teasing these uh, less episodic, more uh, timely, current event-focused episodes. Today, we got number one. This is the first edition of the Zero X, the 210826. That's the year, the month, the day. It's a date. It's a number. It all lines up. Kevin, welcome back. I'm so excited to finally have a free-form, loosey-goosey platform here to talk to you about crypto, NFTs, JPEGs, the works. We got a lot to go over and a lot of headlines. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Professor Kevin returns. Yeah, and it's good to be in, in a more free-flowing conversational format. Uh, I, I do a decent amount of prep work for the theme-based episodes. And, uh, you know, some of our funnest time spent talking crypto together is just us hanging out talking crypto. And so I wanted to do a bit more of that in, in an episode format. So these 0x episodes, uh, we'll, I'm not sure what we're going to do in terms of like a cadence. Uh, I don't know if they'll be every week, every other week. Maybe we'll alternate them. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we're feeling. Yeah, especially I'm, since I'm, uh, I'm going to Iceland in like four days for two weeks. True. So we'll probably be off air for a, a little stretch there. And then we'll come back feeling fresh with so much to talk about because two weeks in the crypto world feels kind of like an eternity sometimes. So um, I think that's a good way to play it from a podcasting perspective, Schedules are great for consumers. From a content perspective, well, it's nice to be able to talk just when we got something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this week, uh, <laughs> I heard a new term that I liked, uh, which was uh, in the DeFi episode, we talked about this idea of last summer, it was DeFi summer because it was the very beginning of all of these different DeFi protocols. Compound kind of kicked it off. Yield farming was a thing. Uh, and people were anticipating, given how the market was moving, uh, that this summer would be kind of a, another DeFi summer. And I think we had even sort of like ended the episode with, you know, maybe it looks like things are kind of turning back this way. That really <laughs> hasn't happened. Um, DeFi tokens and just in general, I mean, there's new protocols all the time, but uh, I wouldn't really capture what I'm seeing right now in crypto as DeFi summer. And the term that I just heard this week was JPEG summer, uh, which really does... <laughs> encompass the the <laughs> craziness that that we've been seeing yeah it's um you know i had a really great conversation with somebody yesterday i've been trying to onboard pro gamers from other games into axie and try to turn them on to the value proposition and obviously dota is like my home court it's right there so uh 1437 he played in the international one he's been a coach he's been a pro player in dota for uh, over a decade now he played dota one as well uh, he's been going hard in Axie. He announced yesterday, nice. I think, uh, that he joined CTG, Crit Theory Gaming. It's one of the biggest guilds, like kind of competitive teams, I guess. Uh, it's a scholarship, but it's also um, like it's headed by Elijah, who just won that first tournament on this preseason. So uh, they're very focused on like high level arena, that kind of stuff. And I, I think 1437 or Theban. He's now like top 50 on the ladder. I think he might have, might have even broke top 25 today. He's pushing for number one. Man. Like the, these guys is hungry. Um, so there's been some other Dota players that saw that announcement and I've been getting some extra inbound. And one of them asked me like, all right, I've been really enjoying getting into NFTs, but I'm aware this is a bull market. It feels like it's a little bit hard to miss right now. Like everything's kind of popping off. What's it feel like in a bear market? And it's a hard question to answer right now because I think the term bear market is starting to get redefined to some degree. And that's not to say like all numbers always go up, but back in the day, so to speak, we didn't really have any games or DeFi's or protocols or tools or like 
anything to do besides buy and hold crypto. And like, yeah, there were some like little gambling platforms and some little things that you could do, but like, yeah, smart contracts still weren't that robust. And like crypto kitties were like the mecca of utility back then. And now it's yeah. funny because they don't really have that much utility relative to all these other things that you could put your, your Ethereum tokens into. Um, so I think it changes the lens when you have something to do. Like if you're heavily invested in Axie, if 75% of your crypto portfolio is in Axie assets that you're kind of speculating on, but also using and trading within that economy and community, you, you're a little bit insulated. You kind of don't care if Ethereum goes down by 20% or 30% because those are just buy ops for your game. You get, you're you're going to be playing regardless. If it goes up, you're making money uh, even more so. And if it goes down, then you have an opportunity to use some of those profits to buy in some more and uh, lower that cost average um, you know, more additionally. So I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know exactly what the next bear market looks like. If your whole portfolio is like PFP, uh, picture for profile kind of art profile collections. Pic yeah. Picture. I, yeah. Picture for profile. Yeah. Picture profile, yeah. whatever. Um, profile picture. That's what we'll call it. Yeah, sure. Those don't really do too much. Some of those are probably going to bubble and burst and there's some risk there. But for these collections that are more utility driven, um, that, that kind of do stuff or like these DeFi protocols, I don't know, man. You're you're just you're you're doing you're playing that DeFi MMO regardless of the speculation. And I think having things to do just in aggregate helps insulate us from these big bear market like psychological pullbacks where everybody's panicking because over time it seems like there's just more and more adoption of DeFi and things to do with blockchains, right? We're getting yeah, further away definitely. from the Bitcoin. All we can do is speculate and more into e-commerce and utility and awesome yeah. art and games Gaming, and art, just like badass culture, stuff that memes. feels more like yeah traditional media yeah definitely i mean i i totally agree first uh second i mean it's it does seem like every market cycle is going to be different i mean that's like not super surprising but yeah. like when in our market cycle cycles episode we sort of talked about like the general flow of like you know when all of the the previous market cycle and like the Bitcoin market cycles prior, um, these are liquid currencies that have sort of like very clearly liquid exchange to USD, very easy to graph, very easy to kind of see the flow of all of these coins sort of moving together. And then like at the uh, beginning of 2018, kind of all of them crashing. In this case, just given how much there is to do and how much a lot of these tokens, like, yes, there is a sort of um, speculative aspect to them, but that's not really the entire purpose the same way it was back right. in the ICO bubble. Um, yeah, it's it's very different. Uh, and, and like I saw a good quote recently. Um, it was a tweet by J1MMY, so like Jimmy.eth. He said that NFTs are not like anything that has happened ever. Uh, stop trying to make it a bull or a bear. There are thousands of micro economies and the money can shift from one to another in an instant. There are bear and bull markets at the same time. Something will always be in profit. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is kind of a feeling I've had not just about NFTs, but like about crypto as a whole, like uh, when just crazy shit's going on that just feels very bizarre. Uh, <laughs> in the last week, I think there was like $6 million JPEG purchases going around uh or no in the last 24 hours sorry and um it's just like this this is very clearly bizarre uh so like part of it is like okay maybe this is these are top signals but at the same time for me in, in addition to like a top bottom signal i think of it as like a 
this is clearly something that is worth my time to to pay attention to. Uh, from in the case of like NFTs, um, to try to understand memes a little bit more. I think a lot of what we're seeing with JPEG Summer is uh, sort of like the competitive monetary layer applied to memes, and it's like you know one profile picture that has like a, a goofy looking penguin uh, that does like crazy successfully well might beat out this other one that like maybe that the developers put a ton more effort into, but it just didn't like strike a chord and, and the meme didn't really take off. So I, I also think of it from that perspective. It's just like, these are kind of just the memes that are bouncing around in crypto land and different ones are becoming more successful. I would have not have guessed that crypto punks would have become as successful as it has. Um, right. Yeah. No, so me neither. And in some ways, the CryptoPunks make some sense to me because it's like the genesis of the genesis, yeah. you know? And th there yeah. is like some real merit to that. That is like the ultimate of collectors. Everybody wants the first edition, the first copy, you know, the number one. Punks are like the number one collection. So, um yeah, I, I get, and I also get why other people don't get it because they're so simplistic. They're like really basic, you know, eight bit art. Um, they don't look as like visually stunning as a lot of other NFTs, but it's the history. I mean, that is that is true blockchain history right there. Um, it totally is, and that's super cool. Yeah. I want to show this, the this uh, NFT stats website as well. Yeah, I, I know it. we were sort of talking about it. Probably should have pulled it up while you're mentioning all those numbers. But um, just to see the breakdown of like this is top last 24 hours, but the top seven. Uh, number one is art blocks curated. Those are these squiggly generated lines. Number two, CryptoPunks. Number three, art blocks factory. More squiggly lines. Uh, then after that, it's Board Ape Yacht Club. We know them pretty well. Then it's the Koala Intelligence Agency. Not as familiar with them. Uh, My Same. Curio Cards. Also not that familiar than plasma bears on one force then we got the art blocks playground more squiggly lines uh parallel alpha that's number 10 i imagine that that's probably some sort of generative art collection um so yeah it's th there's like a lot of collections out there that you're probably not that aware of that are still doing serious business and i think that you know echoes the point you were just making even more it's not necessarily about the best or the most utility there is some just intrinsic meme marketing viral value does some big community of whales buy into this and once you have a group of people that are kind of one-upping each other uh it gets real competitive real quick we're competitive creatures that are at our core after all you know yeah scroll down just a little more on that page they do top selling nfts of the last 24 hours um this is a more specific view than just the collections by volume. So mm -hmm. this is like some specific NFTs that have been bumping around this space for six, seven figures. Um, Punks, <laughs> and, apes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dino pals. Uh, yeah. I mean, art, art blocks is a kind of an interesting one. I was chatting with a non uh, like crypto native friend who, um, is into art and generative art in particular. Um, and I saw some of the vision there that they they sort of recognize that this is like an interesting take where you, you have this new type of artwork that um, the artist can sort of like provide some necessary seed information. Uh, maybe like if you're for ringers, as an example, you have like different circles, different lines that are connecting the circles, um, different like shadowing. 
and then you have this sort of like randomization, uh, this algorithm that will take some piece of information. Uh, oftentimes, I don't know what's the case in like ringers, but a lot of times with these, um, they might take like the current block hash at the point of minting. Um, you could mm -hmm. do cool stuff like take maybe a combination of that and like the the user that's minting it, you could use their address and sort of like involve the user in the creation of the art piece. Like the, the artist might sort of provide the um the criteria for like roughly it's going to look kind of like this thing but then the user is really the one who gets to have the, the final input that generates the artwork um and then mm. you you sort of like you get to bond with it a little bit i, yeah. I think it's that's uh, cool. it's a, a new way to think about art yeah it's uh i mean some of these apes though just blowing my mind here the uh, oh, yeah. 1.56 million two hours ago uh that's this I guess we'll look at what stats he has. We can see him on OpenSea here. Uh, it sold for 500 ETH two hours ago. He's got the trippy fur. So that's like the iridescent rainbow. That's uh, less than 1% of all apes have that. He's got the cyborg eyes. That's 1%. And then his mouth, he's got uh, the bored, unshaven bubble gum. Oh, my. Quite the combo. Uh, apparently that is ultra rare as well, Kevin. So you have this, uh, you know, intersection of 1% times 0.6% times 0.7%. This guy's like, uh, well, truly one of a kind. Uh, he's got a silver yeah. earring as well. So, uh, at least some of these big visual ones, you can kind of get a feel for. And, uh, you know, some punk sales over the last 30 days, this one, even just three days ago, punk seven, two, five, six, this, uh, beautiful redhead. Sold for a staggering amount of money. Yeah, I, I think that it's kind of interesting too to see the. I don't know if you'd call it like the meta, but like the um, the sort of like layer of conversation around it, like what you were just saying about the the statistical likelihood of different attributes of of an NFT, mm -hmm. um, sort of starts to become this game where people, um, you know, think about what attributes might become more successful especially in situations where it's not entirely clear what the likelihood is like while new nfts are being minted um the um the artist may or may not choose to say up front like okay there's x likelihood but then over time maybe once the entire set has been minted out then people will know that like a given attribute is more rare than another um and so yeah i mean it's it's kind of cool to see um the sort of like meta of people trying to figure out what might be seen as valuable by others. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, again, I, I mentioned in the NFT episode, for me, it's always the, the important thing thinking about any of this, um, that whatever NFTs you're considering buying, make sure that it's actually something that you like from a visual perspective, because right. do you should not at all expect that these numbers, these prices are just going to go continue to the moon forever, right? Like, yeah. I could totally see a, a hot potato situation where people then move on to the next thing, and now you're stuck with some NFT that you drop more money than right. you mean to. And scarcity is this weird thing in this space where it, it's kind of manufactured, right? So all of these collections have kind of copied and pasted the 10,000 model. You know, there's 10,000 of these only. They're all different. That's it. That's the scarcity. But when you can have an unlimited amount of collections, and some of them, like, how many different goofy looking animals do you need? At what point is that not really scarce anymore? Um, and obviously, some of the individual collections will maintain that scarcity. 
scarcity, but a lot of them will sort of ride that wave. I mean, we're seeing that with Axie Infinity, where, um, as we've talked about before, this duality of blockchain development, it can move quickly because everything's open source, hence people can copy paste and they don't have to rebuild all of these uh, building blocks in kind of black box style development houses. But the dark side is that copycats and scam coins can pop up really easily. So you can kind of just take what Axie Infinity's made, reskin it, make your own crappy version of it. And it's not nearly as good, but you can get something that's up and running and like a minimum viable product with a similar tokenomic strategy relatively easily. You know, that's just innate to blockchain development. That's not unique to Axie at all. Um, and yeah, you see, I, it breaks my heart, honestly, not even from uh, the people running these or thieves that are stealing RIP, but the amount of people that get sort of sucked into it thinking that it's like actually going to be this next best game or that like, yeah, sure, it's the same thing. So it's going to scale the same way. The demand for these mystic you know, monsters or whatever the stupid thing is. It's going to be just like Mystic Axes where they're going to, the floor is going to be 30 ETH. And it's like, it's just not. And it's probably going to get rugged at a certain point, right? They're going to hype it up. And then these anonymous founders are going to rug it and you're all going to get fucked. And I feel sort of bad for you, but at the same time, like it's, the, <laughs> you can't copy paste time. So these like quick pump and dump games, that's all they are. They're Ponzi's with a game marketing skin front end it's the same thing we saw with the stupid dog coins all the elon coins guess what my elon gate tokens went to kevin all right i put 100 bucks in and i'm at a 98 percent loss right now not good Classic. not great all right and yo, elon <laughs> gate had a great white paper they had an amazing looking roadmap dude <laughs> they were gonna like they were gonna call elon they were gonna pump sure. it up on twitter they were gonna do this they're gonna do that and like it just it's all fucking bullshit dude they just ride this wave it gets its 10x it's 50x for two days from the launch point and they all rug it and then that's it um this isn't surprising they're just getting more creative with finding ways to make it seem more convincing right like a better skin a better marketing front um so don't don't fall for it don't fall for the you know the temptation of going for those quick copycats that are just sort of trying to copy paste um those aren't the projects you should be investing in. You know, look for the people that are actually developing, that are building, that are taking those principles of like, hey, wow, maybe Axie's doing something really cool. We're going to leverage that model. But you want to look for people that also have their own innovations. They're putting their own twist on it. They're, they're connecting new dots. They're coming up with different value propositions. You know, like there's there's a whole genre, a whole, a whole medley of genres out there that we haven't really seen on blockchain yet. You know, where are the shooters? Where are the survival games? Where are these like RTS style games? You know, there's, there's no blockchain MOBA yet. There's really no blockchain MMORPG that exists on a big scale. Even Voxies, they're doing this kind of Final Fantasy turn-based kind of strategy game. There's there's a lot of a lot of room for innovation still. So like why bother with the shitty copycats when there's so many great things that are still like just at the like early MVP part of their product cycle. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, to your earlier point about the the idea of of speculating here like recognize that uh what you're doing is in a lot of these cases is sitting out at the at the roulette table right and, and just kind of like know that that's what you're doing going into it and like put in the amount of money that you'd be willing to lose i mean uh, uh, like uh, outside of the the general thought of make sure that this is actually something that you like regardless recognize that if you're dropping 
more money than you want on a JPEG, you're doing something wrong. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, t totally. Um, a lot of this is just like copycat clones. It it's always hard to figure out what, you know, what people will recognize as effort from developers um, versus what they will see as like, I, I think I've heard this talked about in sort of a stock market perspective, but a lot of times when you think about like, what, what's the price of a stock going to be, you think about what your perspective is, and then you try to anticipate what the market thinks it might be. Mm -hmm. And then you recognize that other people are trying to anticipate what the market will be. And so you try to anticipate what those people will think that the market will be. And so it becomes this like layered, layered, um, like thought process where people are all just, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, like a game memes. theory thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It gets really complicated. It's like poker or Axie or any of these games where you're you're really playing against human psychology. It goes really deep in terms of, you know, what's that? The Princess Bride, you know, that infamous scene where they're drinking. It's like, I know that you know that I know that I was going to poison that. So, you know, and it's this crazy yeah. sort of game of, of mental chess, uh, if you will. Uh, that, that's totally a thing for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. There was yeah, a dialogue. I mean, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, like, it, it has been interesting, though, to see stuff like, I mean, earlier this week, Visa just bought a CryptoPunk for $150,000 uh, on Monday. Um, and I mean, to some degree that I, I've seen some fun conversations on Twitter about whether uh, Visa is giving legitimacy to CryptoPunks or like CryptoPunks is kind of like giving legitimacy to Visa. Like, um but either way, like something's clearly happening where Budweiser was another one. They just bought um, beer.eth, the ENS domain, uh, oh, and some goofy-looking rocket. Uh, <laughs> I, I linked in the show notes the 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 tweet for when they bought it, and they had this um, Life of the Party Tom Sachs Rocket Factory <laughs> NFT that they bought. <laughs> it's just this, like crappy hand-drawn rocket uh and what? that's like their Bud <laughs> budweiser's official twitter profile pick right now is that little hand-drawn rocket is is that um, the tom's like is that the shoes is that what that is i i have no idea tom socks is that how you say it what is that uh i don't know i don't know either wow i'm that's that does not seem yeah but um it's again it's been been interesting to see like actual institutional players now getting involved in jpeg summer uh and I, again not what i would have expected I, I i think it's always you always have your idea of like how things could go given the information that you have and most oftentimes things do not go that way yeah um i mean i had the same thing with that ygg token i bought it uh, i didn't get it at launch because you know you had to do the crazy whale gas stuff and it sold out like immediately before i could even approve my usdc so um i bought in at like a dollar fifty or something for ygg and now it's at like almost ten dollars and it's gone up so much that i'm getting hammered on il like staking for uh, like sushi rewards i was so excited about the like hundred percent apy oh my god these rewards are amazing and i knew yeah. that ygg token would go up i didn't think it would what 4x 5x in how long has it been a month has it even been a yeah, month last, yet last i think i i mean that's like the kind of stuff that if you told me that i don't know if i would have believed you the market cap on that token now is kind of insane and now i don't know where the ceiling is and i'm looking at these impermanent losses like do i just bite the bullet and make these <laughs> permanent losses and just cut the bleeding because like i was 
trying to do some of the math with uh, one of our other crypto friends. And uh, yeah, if it keeps just going up, 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 it uh, the losses just keep coming. And it, of course, it's losses relative to just if I were holding the token. It's losses on gains. So it's not actual losses. It's just it feels bad when you look at this token. And you're like, hey, I, I went 10x, but I put it in this protocol and I really only went 5x because, yeah, it balances out with the other token that you pair it with. Just a yeah. suboptimal feeling. It's a, quite the roller coaster where you go from I'm winning to, okay, I'm not winning as much as I thought I was. Damn it. Yeah, mix, I mean, sometimes if, you, if there's a project that releases a token and you're sort of into this idea of, of the token, um, the, the next thought is like, do I hold, buy and hold this token or do I uh, go provide liquidity and like earn knowing that or an interest knowing that other people are going to want to trade for this token. Yeah. And maybe it's a situation where you do a little bit of both, but it, it also, it's hard knowing that, especially on layer one, just gas fees are absurd. I think right now they're up to 73. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, pretty much ever since. Yeah, I did a transaction at 130. I bought a horse today when it was spiking hey. close up to 150. Hey, nobody's going nice. to get my... I wanted to buy a horse last night, Kevin, but I was struggling real hard because I couldn't get the Polygon thing to work on OpenSea, and somebody bought Strawberry Pie right out from under me. I was heartbroken. Heartbroken. No. So, no. of course, I had to buy a horse that was three times the cost of Strawberry Pie to make up the hole in my heart <laughs> for losing my sweet, sweet Strawberry the, Pie. The, the hole in your heart from the horse that you, the digital horse that, <laughs> that you never owned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, but I'm I'm happy to report that I do have an unnamed foal who will be named at some point in the future. Ooh, a, a, a prime, uh, a misty rose. Can I just maybe maybe I'll just show her off right here. Show you what a horse looks like. How's that sound? I yeah. guess we're going down the rabbit hole anyway. Um, Zed Run's an interesting one. There's so many of these. I'm really focused more on the gamification and like utility things more so than yeah. uh, the collectibles. So this is much more uh, my wheelhouse. But um, really pretty complicated stuff like what one of our mutuals uh, in our crypto call uh, just the other night was sort of selling me on like the concept and i was going through the okay you've got the bloodline you've got the breed type then you've got the color and then within that there's two genders and then there's a genotype which is a, a z number that starts at one and goes all the way to like 268 um, or something like that. And basically, when you breed two horses together, um, you add the Z numbers together, and the baby has uh, that new number. So mine's a Z4. If I bred it with another Z4, I would have a Z8 baby. Um, and the higher the number, basically, the, quote, less pure the horse is, like kind of the crappier the horse sure. is, I think. It loses that Nakamoto bloodline. Yeah. So, like, well, within the genotype numbers, then there's variants of, like, the different breed type and then the different bloodline. I think Nakamoto's the best bloodline, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Philly means this one's never been bred. So my strategy, Kevin, you can't see it here on OpenSea, but um, they have other websites that kind of scrape the blockchain. I wanted to buy a horse that had a low Z value for breeding that has never been raced before because a big determinant of a horse's value is how it does in races. And if it's never raced before, it has a potentially pristine record, you see. It's a potential unicorn. Mm -hmm. So that's, the, that's my angle to try to leverage. And you can breed... I think you can breed these horses... The mares once every like twenty six days they can they can make a foal so that's how like similar to Axie you know you buy your Axies you battle with them you get a little bit of an ROI similar idea with Zed Run you can either race the horses and get some ROI there if they're really fast or you can like breed them and then slowly selling off the offspring generates some return. 
Yeah, I, I think again the the idea of like adding layers of complexity to it. Like at the end of the day, it, we're talking about like virtual horse races. Um, so <laughs> yeah. so from the one perspective, it's kind of cool in that we don't have to go abuse animals to be able to do horse races in the future. That's a plus. Uh, yeah. Yes, that is. Um, from the other perspective, it's it's sort of a like very hard line realization that like horse races are just basically like gambling on statistical likelihood and yes. um, like very much so in this case, like we, we've abstract away all of the like physical meat space of real animal horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're just like working with pure numbers, random number generation. Um, but adding in these kind of like more gamey sort of mechanics to it definitely kind of makes it feel a little more um, involved, adds that the sort of meta that I was talking yeah. about. But um, I think people people just like to do that. I mean, I don't know. It, it's I've yeah. always sort of personally found it uh, a little bizarre that we're still doing horse races uh, with like physical horses. So now knowing that there's like this sort of potential future alternatives kind of neat. Yeah. I, and I... I didn't really buy the Zed run thing at the beginning. Like I remember watching some of the streams on Twitch, just being like, I don't really get this. Like if it's just statistics online, like what are we really watching? But I think they did as I like most things. Once you dive deeper, you realize, Oh, okay. This is popular because they cracked that code a little bit. I was appropriately cynical, but at first I stopped, um, I stopped reading. Um, but once you dive deeper, you realize, Oh, Hey, I, I've kind of learned, the mechanic here that makes this thing an innovation and not just like a, another copycat of something else. Um, and I think that's like all too tempting. I know that's a truth, but I keep learning it over and over in my head. You know, like, yeah, you got to resist that temptation to just not, not learn and go the layer deeper when something is like, Hey, why is this popular? This seems like a really big problem to solve. Well, maybe they, they chipped away at actually just solving it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. The the one I was just poking around with this week was one that came out. Uh, I just linked in the show notes called Moonshot Bots. Um, I tweeted Kevin Awaki, the founder of Gitcoin, Moonshot recently. Moonshot Bots. Okay. And he, I, I was basically kind of like complaining that um, <laughs> there's all these profile picture uh, NFTs that are just a hundred percent of the proceeds go to the developer that, or the artist or whoever it was that created it. And it's like, there's, there's less of a sort of like feel good. Um, I want to be able to kind of hold an NFT that I'm proud of, uh, that does something semi altruistic. Um, and so I was kind of complaining about that. And, uh, as the founder of Gitcoin, um, he is someone that could maybe do something about that because, um, Gitcoin has this quadratic funding concept where you can take all these different projects, uh, people can go donate on them individually, and then the um, the ones the projects that get the most uh, individual donors get matched with this big lump sum pool um, of donations from usually like DeFi protocols will sort of automatically throw a little money into the Gitcoin uh, address, mm-hmm. and so what he ended up doing um it, i think he, it sounded like he already had some plans uh was creating this moonshot bots one where all of the proceeds go directly to that sponsorship pool uh, and then that sponsorship pool essentially then is what is used to match it and i'm pretty sure that these moonshot bots have already funded the entire next gitcoin grant round um 
but (laughs) if you scroll down, there's this sort of like price curve. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting the way they did this. So um, as new robots are minted, uh, the the new mint price slowly goes up and then it sort of becomes more exponential. So it was a situation where a lot of them sold out really quickly. I was I was able to kind of see this quickly enough that it wasn't expensive. Um, it wasn't super expensive. And um, now I think new mints are like 26 ETH. Um, and I think the floor on OpenSea last I checked was like eight or nine. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely, it's, still part of this whole like profile picture crazy mania thing that's happening but it's a situation where the more absurd that this price gets like the more funding that goes to open public goods in the ethereum ecosystem which is kind of cool and i really hope that we start to see more stuff like this because um yeah i mean being able to fund i I forget what last i saw but it was like 900 million dollars worth that'll go toward I mean, at some point, I'm, I'm even considering maybe uh, you or I go check out Gitcoin, maybe consider putting in a um, uh, the new blocks as like a, a Gitcoin uh, grant. Dude. We'll see. But no, I mean, cool. sort of stuff that like... Um, is is that OpenSea oh. link the right one? The Moonshot Bots? Is that it? Uh, it's, it's bots.moonshotcollective.space. Um, it was, I only find the show notes. So I have that uh, one, but can you buy them secondhand on OpenSea? Is that like the official? Oh, oh yes. So the, the main site was where you initially mint them and then you can yeah. buy them secondhand on OpenSea. You have to, if you go on OpenSea and do moonshot bots V3, I, oh, I don't know if it was V3. Uh, okay. That's yeah. what I was lacking. So there's, yeah. oh, so okay. You find it. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's that floor. Okay, let's check this out. I'll share it with the people here. So Moonshot Bots, V3. These little robots. Oh, These little rascals. Man, an odd gigabyte Moonshot Bot. This little guy's on the floor at 8.2. My gosh, Kevin. He's mm-hmm. snazzy blue. He's got muscles. He's wide. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. You get, you get some more rare attributes like backgrounds and uh, additional colors. There's some purple ones in there. There's ones with special nighttime backgrounds wow there's there's one with a bow tie fun for the whole family well that's great um austin griffith owns the bow tie one he was the the developer that helped make this okay well i'm glad uh glad you knew the story behind that like straight away (laughs) (laughs) one random jpeg hey this is jpeg some gotta yeah you gotta know we gotta pass along the tales of our of our jpegs yeah well i like stuff like this because one key conversation point that i've been able to utilize to break through to people that don't get why are people paying so much for these stupid digital art certificates right that's what people get hung up on it's not the actual thing that you're getting it's just the certificate that says you own it but anybody can just kind of like download it and save it and i think there's a couple things to unpack there but the most powerful is oftentimes if you're buying something from an artist or especially an individual like uh that guy dylan that does the dance nfts or like grammatic who puts his music into nfts like why am i buying this song in the form of an nft it's basically just a donation to support the artist it's one of the easiest ways to put money right in their pocket and instead of it just being a one-way here you go have fun you at least get something in return you get a little ticket a little souvenir if you will of hey i got this nft in exchange for supporting this artist so when you frame it like that 
it kind of makes some sense because we're, we're all kind of accustomed to, oh, I like this artist. I'm going to go buy their work. I know that that purchase goes to support them. Exact same sort of uh, psychological formula there. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And certainly it, it scales upwards if you just like art and it can create bidding wars. And, um, you know, there are some ways to lock in kickbacks. So if things get resold over time, the artist still gets a little piece of that. Um, all these sorts of things. Um, the other element to that is I lost my train of thought. So you're going to have to dive in because I forget what the other element is, Kevin. I started looking at yeah. these robots and they completely freaking distracted me. <laughs> They're cute. I mean, what can you say? This bow tie yeah. one, I really want it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to fight Austin for it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I I agree. I think I, I've had conversations with friends that sort of uh, don't understand it and and may even get angry about the fact that this is happening. Um, I, I think it's that. I mean, I think there's an element to the recognition that people like to collect things, right? I I, I mean, I can't. Um, I think a lot, of, especially when you think about stuff like um, CryptoPunks, you talk about whales that have been in crypto for a while now and they have made some money and um, they are kind of doing fine. They've they've met their bills that they, they can they can move to a place where they're like, OK, what's cool? Like, I, I'm not someone who, you know, has to go buy a Lambo to feel <laughs> like I'm like I'm cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I'm imagining, not that I could even afford one, but like if you are someone who has Lambo money and you've been in crypto uh, from like the beginning of Bitcoin, um, yeah, I, I think it is a situation where people like to collect things that sort of like show something about their identity, some of mm -hmm. some of their interests. Um, and the further you go down into the more like utilitarian NFTs, like being able to also play games with them. Mm -hmm. um, then yeah, I think it's just like different layers of reasons why yeah. this is happening. Well, and it cracks me up how people seem to like when you say the word metaverse, people have just they're like burned out on that word. Like you got to <laughs> describe it without talking about some crazy futuristic thing that may never exist. But that is a key yeah. element. You know, the the duality yeah. to the hey, I just bought that grammatic song. I, I like you. Thanks for giving me this thing, but I'm really just trying to support you. Maybe in 10 years, that grammatic song NFT will integrate with all these different platforms like Decentraland or these other uh, there's so many different land things now, but you know what yeah. I mean? You can integrate sandbox. it and then you could listen to the music, yeah, in sandbox or like that proves that you have the rights to a song so that you could use it in your game or like the Axie land. And SDK, the map creator. Uh, maybe if you have like NFTs of other music or other assets, you could use those in your SDK mini game and you don't need licensing agreements because owning the NFTs is your license to fucking use it um, and put it yeah. in part of that cross integration. And the people that like minted those NFTs only benefit from that exposure of it getting the utility of having more, um, you know, cross utility and all these other platforms. So while it's easy to scoff at, oh, that's stupid and useless now. What's the point of using electricity for the blockchain to verify your ownership of this thing that doesn't do anything? I, I think a lot of these things will have increased utility over time. And I don't even mean like meta key type stuff where the idea of it is utility and you buy this thing and it gives you drops and access to all this stuff through partnerships. Um, I mean, just this picture 
maybe you can use it in environments in the future. You know, maybe there will be a battle game where your avatar is an avatar based on the NFTs that you own. You know, like if you have a punk or you have one of the ducks or you have an ape, that could be your character that's driving the go-kart or swinging the sword or whatever it is. That's the kind of cross-integration that we're not there quite yet, but that shit's coming, dude. A lot of people are thinking about that, and I know that there are a lot of builders very excited about that cross-integration future. So Yeah, as soon as I uh, minted my first CryptoKitty back in 2018, I immediately foresaw a vision where I was hanging out in like a virtual reality version of my apartment, and like my little CryptoKitties are walking by, uh, and, and now, yeah, you start to add in all the NFTs that have come to fruition since. Um, and it starts to paint the Ready Player One vision of this world where you don't have all of these individual walled gardens where nothing interacts with anything else because that would cut into a company's bottom line to this new version of uh, a- an ecosystem where everything is cross compatible and everyone is incentivized to make their thing cross compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just totally flips the model on its head. Um, yeah. and I think you're totally right about this. Uh, we haven't really landed on a definition of metaverse yet, but I think the way I think of it is this longer term vision of just a, a total reframing of the model, um, for, you know, going, going from walled garden land over to open, you know, yeah, everything's cross compatible. Totally. And at least the the first step is all this stuff kind of speaking the same language. So it's baby steps. But I mean, imagine if some of these traditional game devs start putting stuff on the blockchain. I mean, I was chatting with somebody last night about imagine if um, like Diablo 2 started like like all these Blizzard IPs, you know, like I have so much nostalgia for these games and games like Diablo have these really iconic items that were all based on dice rolls. And maybe like imagine a world where they take the rarest item in Diablo. That's like the there's one or there's 10 or whatever your starting point is. And then everything else that's in the game within like, you know, uniques or something. Um, there's that many created relative to their rareness. How sick would it be if like 10 years from now you had one of the 10 wind forces from Diablo 2 and you're out there in some, you know, archery game with this badass bow that's like, I would buy a grandfather sword. You know what I'm saying? Like there's Mm -hmm. so many iconic pieces of imagery from those old games. That's just one game from one developer and one little gaming universe. Think about all of the different universes out there, like all of the amazing games you've played all those assets could be turned into NFTs and then become like cross compatible with each other in this crazy like environment where all this stuff interacts and it's not just infinite, right? There's actual scarcity and value attached to it. Think about, I don't know if there's any World of Warcraft players out there that miss that old school classic day of being able to look at a character and know how good the items are. Like, oh, he's got the tier two shoulders. Whoa, he's got the tier tier three chest. Oh my God, the staff of whatever. Um, Like, and then once you introduce transmogging, it's like, yeah, all the characters look really cool, but they become sort of vision visually meaningless. And NFT scarcity in this kind of like metaverse world where they're all interconnected, that's a really cool way to give like, that's utility right there. That like visual aesthetic in a world where you want to do stuff, you know, visual aesthetic of, Hey, I got this picture and it just sits there. That's not that cool now, but in a world where you can use it or like, um, you know, battle with it, 
That is yeah, badass. and I think I think part of the interest in utility comes from the implied uh, hope or um, anticipation that the projects that end up becoming popular and having developer teams that continue to work on the project will continue to add functionality. Um, and mm -hmm. if they continue to decentralize themselves in a smart enough way, can get to a place where anyone can start to add functionality. Um, and then it, it's sort of this like snowball effect to, you know, maybe uh, CryptoPunks are just little crappy JPEGs, uh, but maybe in, you know, some new version of some game, like there's the the crypto punk where it's like totally 3D. Um, right. Or, it's like MIDI. Yeah. You know, you have the note, but yeah. a different MIDI device can make the sound more robust Whatever or different depending on yeah. what it is. So, yeah, you can totally have a different format. Like you have your axes, but depending on what world they're in, they might look a little different. Right. The graphics yeah. engine might not be exactly the same. Um, and it's funny because I've heard people flame that, like with yats and uh, the emojis. This is stupid. Emojis look different on different platforms. It's like, well, yeah, but who cares? It's still the mermaid okay. emoji. I don't really <laughs> care if it's a different mermaid. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I don't feel that attached to the emojis. I digress. Yeah. Um, emojis are a good example there, though, where it's like, yeah, I mean, like people can have different interfaces to it. And like maybe CryptoPunks was a very simple example of it, but get getting to this place where you have uh like these full games where yeah like your your axes can go over to this other game and like go play in wow where you could have like a pet that follows you along maybe eventually you could have like your axie follow you along mm -hmm. um anyway it's one of those things where we can try to come up with ideas but realistically a lot of this stuff is just we're so early and scratching the surface that it's kind of hard to tell what's going to happen what's going to take off what's going to be popular yeah no, it, it really is. And again, I go back to my, my favorite word, Kevin, utility. Things that do yeah. things tend to be cooler than things that don't do things. I don't know how to make it more simple than that, man. Yep. Well, maybe someday, <laughs> uh, maybe someday Austin will let my robot walk around. and. Hey, nobody's cool touching my robot. All right. I know, but that's the thing. I don't have to wait for Austin to do it. This oh, is an NFT. I God. can go add that functionality if I want. Maybe maybe one last little anecdote. There was like a, a little story that was it this week that cracked us up or maybe the week before. I think it was a Mashable article, but uh, talking about this Twitter troll where uh, somebody who, who spent a bunch of money on you know NFTs, it was punks or something like that. Um, there's always this army of trolls that think they have this great gotcha where they reply, thanks for the awesome punk, right clicked and saved. And then it's like a <laughs> screenshot of them like saving the punk JPEG yes. on their computer hey, and like changing it to their the background of their computer and stuff like thanks man this is awesome i just got this for free and you just paid a million dollars for it and obviously anybody buying the punk doesn't isn't phased by that at all right like they care about the certificate not the jpeg and they see that as free marketing like hey man thanks yep. for really caring about my punk and making it your background that's really exciting its value might have just gone up a little bit actually appreciate <laughs> it um but there was a guy and it was great because I, it was either on his open c profile or one of the others it was like troll hard and like something like he was like a, an unapologetic like i identify as a troll and he he played the game he went in and was like when some people were making fun of him he doubled down and responded with wait what 
you just got you stole my JPEG for free. This should be illegal. This should be illegal. Yeah. And of course, that like sparked this whole article of the debate of like it's who's actually right here. Is it yeah. unethical for people to save JPEGs of NFTs? <laughs> or are the NFT holders like, is this self-imposed? It's like, oh my gosh, dude. It's so yeah. clearly a joke. Oh, it um that gave it, me a what's good that subreddit uh, like r slash ate the onion or something like that where it's like <laughs> yeah people that like didn't realize they were being trolled uh yeah no totally that. yeah that's um, uh... and i mean i get it like the stuff is clearly not a hundred percent logical um but yeah. you know when when people are I, I i looked at that guy's profile as well on OpenSea, and he had like like millions of dollars worth of like punks and bored apes and, and like everything that was going on. Um, There's a big profile. Yeah. This, this guy knows that you can right click save images on a computer. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's funny. the best part. It's like if you, if the, the journalist had done just a little layer of due diligence, you probably would have been able to see the writing on the wall, but uh, Hey, they got a yeah. great click bite, uh, clickbait title out of it. So that's what's important. I, I, I think another way to think about that whole like right click save thing is sort of like the Streisand effect where, you know, you try to hide something and then in the process of hiding it, that makes it more, uh, yes. like, um, more accessible and more people see it. The classic was Beyonce saying, guys, don't look at this picture. Of course, that made everybody look at the picture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, in a similar way, by setting your profile picture to someone else's NFT, you are only drawing more eyes on that person's <laughs> NFT. And on a long enough time scale, that only is going to add value to that person's NFT. Uh, and it's like this idea that if you're doing that, you in your mind, you're like, all oh, these stupid punks look the same. It's just a bunch of 8-bit garbage. To the people that care about punks, they can see the difference. So they, you're exactly right. They see that as just like, bro, thank you. This is the kind of marketing you can't buy. <laughs> you're right. You got me. You, dude, could you please get, keep getting me? You know, it's like that Always Sunny. <laughs> where D's like, they're lining up. They're like, I'd like to get Deed. They're like, wait, you're not upset? No. Are you <laughs> Do <laughs> you mind setting this to your Twitter profile and your Facebook? <laughs> yeah, Great I feel like that's a good one alive. to leave it on. Yeah, definitely. So this was a lot of fun, man. I, I like the Zero yeah. X model. It's nice to uh, do these and break from the structure every so often. Um, man, things are blowing up. The Zyori um, uh, YouTube and Twitch channels have been off the off the charts recently. We got like 1,500 new subs in the last month thanks to a bunch of Axie content. So hopefully nice. some of that trickles here into the new blocks. If you're a new listener, a new fan, you're one of those Axie players that's found your way here, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You got a lot of new blocks to catch up on, but uh, we're going to be back again for more. Never financial advice here. Always uh, in the form of educational entertainment content. Uh, looking to help you learn, explore this vast world of blockchain, crypto, NFTs, and everything on the like. Kevin, always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy yourself while I'm in Iceland. Um, yeah, it'll see be fun to be weeks. back. Yeah, see you in a few yeah. weeks with more crypto talk.